0: You're listening to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Modern tales of an ancient pursuit. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. And my name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. So greetings and welcome inside the L-Studio. Shall we? You feel like you're open to new opportunities? I think most people would say, Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not only am I open to opportunities, I'm I'm just I'm always looking for opportunities, but I don't know. That's easier said than done. 1989, I was being courted by a business owner who was looking for new, fresh leadership. The business was located where Rhonda and I most wanted to be, right here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Kids were in elementary school, early elementary school. And prior to this, life had been uh, extremely hectic for the previous three years. And there were some situations that had changed that were beyond our control. Things that, well, things that we didn't feel were favorable for training and raising our children. And so we took our aim toward Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth. Rhonda, it was, uh, it was a homecoming for her. You know, She's a native Texan. So she was from areas over here right near Fort Worth. And we were very familiar with the area. And among our reasons, and in this order, uh, church, spiritual reasons, they were at the very top of our list. Uh, Next, uh, the kids. Well, come on, the kids were always a priority. But the question for us was where did we feel that we could give our children the best advantages? Where could we give them the best spiritual advantage the best educational advantage, the best personal advantage as far as future spouses and building their own career. And Dallas-Fort Worth, commonly called DFW, uh, it checked all the boxes for us when we began to strategize the ways that we could accomplish this goal, the way that we could get here. This, This was prior to 1989, this was our ideal outcome. And I would say that that began somewhere around the beginning of 1987, the end of 1986. Uh, it took me a few years to pull it all together. Come on, I, I say it all the time. Everything is hard until it's easy, and everything is slow until it's fast. And so it th- these things take time. If you are pursuing something as you're listening to me and you're getting aggravated because it hasn't happened yet, I don't know how far into it you are, but keep going. Don't quit too soon. By the end of 1989, I will tell you, I had started the process. And by the end of the school year, May of 1990, We had made the transition that is we had, we were, we were moved. I was here for six months or so before uh, the family got here. As you hear my phone ding, sorry about that. Hazards of being a podcaster who doesn't pay attention to the setting of my phone, which normally, by the way, do you leave your ringer on very, very seldom. Do I even have my ringer turned on? And here it would be (laughs) the, the, the times that I do, it's just sure shooting. As soon as I hit a record button, you're going to know, okay, well, he didn't set it to silence then. Um, so may of 1990 kids are out of school and now we're all back together. You know, sometimes it takes a while. This ideal outcome, they, they mostly in my life and in the lives of people that I have coached, they, they don't happen as quickly as we would like the ideal outcome. It, this was one that we, we had a time to carefully think about it, to consider it, to plan for it, to strategize for it. And yes, absolutely. There were days that we questioned, is this going to happen at all? And mostly, it took over two years before the opportunity presented itself so that we could make it a reality. Now, that was then, and this is now. This is now. And here we are, the Yellow Studio 3.0. Because in 2018, we're a long ways from 1986, 1987. That was the last time that we were really strategizing something as monumental as what we were considering. And in 2018, there was another life situation that provoked Rhonda and I to ask, okay, now what? We had clarity in 1987. We didn't have that kind of clarity in 2018. The circumstances were different. Situation was different. Our age is different. Our, 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 well, a lot of things about our life are very different. We've been empty nesters for a long, long time. And the clarity that we needed, it would come. It would just come more slowly. I have likened it to the slow turn of a focus knob on a telescope. You've seen these devices Oh, you see them where tourists go. They're at the top of the Empire State Building and other places. You know, you can put in a quarter or something, and you can look through these kind of binocular-type things, and it's turn the knob to focus. And that focus, it, it takes some tweaking. It can take some time, and that was the case for us. In fact, it took a couple of years. It didn't take a couple of years for the opportunity. It took a couple of years for us to even figure out what do we want? You know, it's one thing if you ask somebody, what is your ideal outcome? And sometimes we can answer that very quickly because we've been pondering this thing, we've been wrestling with this thing for a long, long time. And we've got clarity about it. But other times we can ask the question of ourselves or somebody else. And just because of the timing of it, we're not sure. <laughs> I mean, what is our ideal outcome? And that was the question that we were wrestling with back in twenty eighteen, and it was anything but easy. it was anything but clear cut not quite not quite like things were back in nineteen eighty seven for us that focus back then that focus came much faster for us. The decision was the decision was one that we just made more easily beforehand. Because the path just seemed very evident to us. I won't say it seemed obvious, but it seemed way more obvious than it did back in 2018. Yeah, this time it was different because this time there was a there was a deeper, uh, more of a gut punch. You know, back in the 80s, I would describe that more of a slow burn. Back in the 80s, when we were making that. Mo- It it wasn't, our knees weren't buckled this time. Our knees were buckled. And if you've ever had your knees buckle, that takes, it takes time to catch your breath. The first time that I got the wind knocked out of me, I was playing junior high football and I happened to be on the kickoff team. I can't remember if I was on the receiving team or the kickoff team, but I was on the field. And running down the field, and I got completely blindsided. In fact, I really got hit in the middle of the back, and I dropped like a rock. And I wasn't hurt, but it was like my lungs <laughs> seized up. And I remember a coach running out on the field and standing over me, and he, he put his hands you know, in the small of my back and lifted lifted my torso up. And it was the right thing to do. turns out, I mean, that got some air back into my lungs, but I laid there for a minute catching my breath and, and it took me, I don't know. I mean, it took me a few seconds to get back on my feet and that's how life is when your knees buckle. And besides there were things that were well beyond our control and mostly we were just having to figure things out and we were absolutely having to figure things out in real time I've said it before and it bears repeating. It's my definition of wisdom. Getting it right in real time. Hindsight wisdom is easy and cheap. Right? I mean, almost any fool can figure out in hindsight, well, you should have done this. You should have done that. Okay, well, that's great and wonderful. But can we get it right in real time? That's wisdom. Deciding what we're going to do and doing it in real time. And so here we are in 2018 and we're beginning to decide what's the reaction to this knee buckling event going to be asking ourselves, okay, now what, how can we, how can we exercise the greatest degree of wisdom right now? You know, when the stakes are high, Well, even when the stakes aren't high, you just, don't you feel the need to just get it right? Sure. I think all of us do. And we clearly, we want to get it right the first time if we can. And there are many situations where we fear if we don't get it right the first time, are we going to get any opportunity to fix it later? I mean, what if you don't? Maybe there'll be an opportunity to fix it. Maybe there'll be an opportunity to course correct. But what if there isn't? for me the barometer i would say it's the main barometer it's been regret now stay with me it's not the kind of regret that you probably hear all the time in modern culture you know the the regret of the things all oh, that you could have done you know the things that you could have chased the pursuits you could for me it's a it's kind of a deeper thing than that and it begins for me with, will I regret doing this? For me, it just doesn't, my first thought is not about, well, will I regret not doing it? No, I, I, I turn that on its head and I immediately think, okay, if I'm tempted to make this decision or if my inclination is to make this decision and do this thing, am I going to regret doing it? Then I may think, well, will I regret not doing it? And it seems to me that an awful lot of people just do it in reverse order. I'm not judging it. I'm just calling attention to it. There is a distinction there. Back in 1987, I knew, well, Rhonda, we both knew that we would regret staying where we were. We had to make a move. And we knew we had to make a move for the welfare of our children and for our own welfare. Now, I will admit, I hated that we had to do it. I really hated that we had to do it. Uh, But it was a move that all the while I was wishing we would not have to make. Because frankly, for me, it was a very sad decision because well, because of what once was and, and circumstances and situations that had been extraordinarily favorable until they weren't. And I was, I freely admit, I was a bit vexed with a bit of wishful thinking of what could have been, but life does that to us, right? It throws us these curveballs, and we've got to figure out how to hit them and we have to figure out how to deal with the reality, and we can live in the land of what could have been, what may have been, or what once was. Or we can lean into wisdom, and we can figure out, well, this is where we are, and things are different, and we're going to have to make some adjustments. And today, things are different. They just are. Um, There isn't any sadness. There just isn't. There was sadness back in 1987. There's no sadness today. I'm not romantic. I'm not sentimental, and I am both, but I'm not romantic or sentimental about what once was or what could have been. No, I'm just ready. Ready to move on, ready to grow, ready to embrace a new chapter that I have affectionately called over and over our Encore chapter. So by the time you get to 2020, and that seems fitting to me, 2020 vision and all that. By the time we get to 2020, our focus is clear. In fact, our focus is so clear that by the time we got to the end of 2021, Rhonda and I had put our money where our mouth and our fantasies were because we bought a piece of property in a place that had captured our heart. It was a place of solitude. It was a place of respite. It was a place that we had first visited in 2018. And we had visited it in 2018, just weeks following our gut punch, our knee buckling event. And I think that had something to do with it. I I truly do. We had gone to this place on a trip that we had planned prior to the gut punch not expecting the gut punch. We had pre-planned this trip, and I will forever believe providential serendipity, uh, but I'm a Christian. I do believe in providence. Now, the thing about providence is you can't prove it, so there's that. But it certainly has seemed providential that mere weeks for, for probably more than a month, We had the trip planned. Then we have this knee buckling event a week or two prior to the trip. And instead of canceling, we went ahead and took it and we used that trip, not for what it had been intended, but for something completely different to just simply get away and sort things out. And that was our very first encounter with this place. And there's little doubt, little, little doubt that that made it more special. We, we found the place just beautiful. We found a place where the closeness of the community, uh, and there was a diversity of positive things. There were trails, there were lakes, there were creeks, there were trees, there was wildlife, there were golf courses, there were mountains. There's, there was a lot more. It was just incredibly appealing. It only had one downside. And the downside is it wasn't in DFW. And DFW is where our entire tribe is, thanks to our decision back in 1987 and the execution of that decision in 1990. Because, you see, grandkids didn't exist back then. And today we have five. So lots of things have changed between 1990 and 2023, lots of things have changed, many of them blessings. Yeah, we've had a few curses along the way. But the tribe, man, the tribe was all blessing all the time. We weren't prepared to leave the tribe. We were not prepared to leave the tribe. And thankfully, our happy place, our happy place is only five hours away. And so it made sense to us. In the short term, well, what if we spend some time in each place? Yeah, we could do that. The plan was to spend more time in Texas than in Happy Serene Village, five hours away, and we figured, you know, we'll get over to HSV. We'll get over to Happy Serene Village. Oh, I don't know. Handful of times? Maybe maybe two handfuls of time over a twelve month transition? And we were thinking in those terms and we were even using that terminology. Transition. Okay. Transition. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> well what transition? And transitioning from what to what? Transitioning from where to where? Well, that's the rub that is the rub we're navigating a number of transitions. Now, transition, transition one was selling a house that we'd been in for 25 years and moving to a new place. Transition two was well, finding the new place. And I'm talking about here in DFW. Uh, transition two was, well, transition two was one that we hadn't planned on. Transition two was buying another house in happy, serene village and figuring out a way to spend more time there. Transition three is, I would describe it as creating some new career chapters for both of us, you know, as we march toward hitting full retirement age for social security. Oh, you're young. You're not worried about it. Oh, you're older. You're thinking about it. Well, yeah, you should. Young or old. There are these mile markers that you chase when you're younger and you think, well, okay, those mile, the the mile markers, they're gone. No, the mile markers are not gone. Trust me. The mile markers just, they just keep on coming. They just come a whole lot faster. And so the next big mile marker for transition three is, well, when do you reach, when do you qualify? When do you reach full retirement age? Uh, For me, it's November for Rhonda. It's December of 2023. So those are the next mile markers. Now, all three of these transitions are pretty big. They're all intertwined. And there's a lot of moving parts to our life right now. A newsflash. There's always been a lot of moving parts, but your life is no different. Oh, I'm not. Our circumstances could be completely different, but you got a lot of moving parts to your life and a lot of them are frightening and a lot of them are exciting. A lot of them are scary as all get out. And a lot of them are filled with fear because there's the unknown. You know, being open to opportunities has always been our way of life. Just like. I've talked about cash flowing life. Now, admittedly sometimes we've been more open to opportunities than we have at other times. And quite frankly, that's almost always been determined mostly because of our comfort level or our lack of comfort level. Whenever we've been the most comfortable, uh, we've been much less open. (laughs) That is, you know, come on, when things are going really well, how open are you for, for opportunities? It's like, you know, why mess up a good thing? This is come on. This is going fine. Let's, let's, let's leave well enough alone. And yet I have found life has taught me that that may be the ideal time to look more closely at the opportunities because there is something to striking while the iron is hot and all that. I mean, doesn't it make sense that our optimum time to see and jump on opportunities is when we're riding high. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But in real time, that's not how it usually goes. You know, because comfort, I don't know, comfort just, it forms around us, you know, kind of like those tempur mattresses. I don't have one, but I have a tempur pillow, so I get it. You know, just kind of envelops us and it can envelop us so strongly that it paralyzes us from doing anything different. You know, we just, yeah, this feels good. I don't want to move. I just want to stay put. And so mostly that's what we do. We stay put. When the better option might be to seize a bigger opportunity. I mean, after all, we say it because it's true. The rich get richer. The people that are opportunistic, seem to get more opportunities. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for everybody. We mostly get what we're looking for. And it happens because, well, it happens because we tend to get more opportunities if we're looking for those opportunities, but we have to take advantage of them. This impacts the yellow studio because well, the original studio is now gone, it's no longer in my possession. And we're now less than 60 days removed from selling making that transition number 1 and we're also about a month removed from that transition number 2 one was to sell the house that we had been in for about 25 years moving to a new place and transition 2 was buying another house in happy serene village in Trying to figure out a way to spend more time there. Um, yeah, we we spent two weeks of just mind-numbing, arduous work uh, to leave the house and to move, and basically to make two moves at one time. I would not suggest that to anybody. Two moves, two moves simultaneously is a really idiotic decision, but. Again, we we were looking for opportunities, and we we knew why we were looking for opportunities. Um, you know, providence, serendipity, luck—you put whatever label on it you want. Uh, but boy, things were going. Things were things were hard, and then, and then all of a sudden they seemed to get really easy, and things were just arduously slow, and boy, then all of a sudden, man, they got fast. Boy, did they get fast. I mean, we had one we had we had one weekend. So we close on a house on Friday, we make a move on Saturday, we make a drive to Happy Serene Village on Sunday, we close on a house in happy serene village on monday come back to dfw and load up a truck and head out on tuesday driving with most of our possessions back to happy serene village um yeah <laughs> whole lot going on and i'm not a plate spinner you know but man alive for a, for a guy that doesn't really enjoy spinning plates i felt like man i'm I'm spinning a whole bunch of plates. So what does all this mean for you? Well, it means that you've got plates that you're spinning. It means that you've got transitions that you're making. But you're only making those if you're growing. You're only making those transitions if you're improving. I'm not one to look for, and I'm certainly not one to advise other people, If you're in a comfort zone, man, just disrupt that and get out of it. We need these periods of time when there's some peace and safety and tranquility and monotony. I'm a big believer in intentional boredom. I believe we need it. I believe our kids need it. I see it in kids a lot. Kids have got so much activity. They are engaged in so many things. And they're going a hundred miles an hour in a bunch of different directions. And I get that I'm an old guy. I freely admit that. And I get that. I can certainly have a bias about the way life once was because we were the kids who laid in the grass and stared up at the clouds and had these conversations with one another. What do y'all want to do now? And I'm thankful for it. I'm not saying that it's the only way to go. I'm just thankful for it. And there's a big part of me that is just kind of sad that I don't, I'm not saying kids don't do that. They very well may. I just don't see it. I don't see a lot of kids laying in the grass, looking up at the clouds. I'm glad we did. I'm just glad we did. And I happen to feel very blessed that that was was special for us. I also am wise enough to know that there are things that are happening with kids today that I didn't have, and that's special for them. So I'm not judging it. I'm just kind of wistful about it. But I do think that there is something to intentional boredom, even for us as adults. I think... We need routine, we need monotony, we need habit to maintain our sanity. I'm not saying we need it all the time, 100%, 24-7, 365, over and over and over and over. I think we need periods of it, and I think we need segments of it in our life. I think we need these things that are kind of anchors that are just, this is just what we do. This is the decision we've made. These are the beliefs that we hold, that kind of thing. But then I think there are things that we absolutely positively need to force ourselves, if we must, to get out of a comfort zone because the status quo, well, is the status quo good enough? I've had conversations with you before where I just, my, my viewpoint is no, it can always be better. It can always be better. I've done an episode about it. AI always improving can we improve it the answer and the answer in my mind is always going to be yes and and that means well then that means we we don't just keep doing what we've always done we don't just stay on the same course maybe we alter course maybe we do things differently maybe we do different things but we're going to yeah we're going to try to get better and so that's how this impacts you I don't know what these transitions are for you. I don't even know if you're in the period of transition, and maybe it's not the right time for you to be in transition, and that's perfectly okay, but there was a time when you needed to be in transition, and there will come a time, Lord willing, when you need to be in transition. So in these in-between times, what are you doing to get ready for the transition? How clear are you? about the transition that you need to make the course that will be the wisest, smartest course for you, the course that you will look back and go, I don't regret that. That was absolutely what we needed to do. That was in everybody's best interest that brought value to our life and to every life that, that we touch. That was an honest, authentic, high integrity high character building, high moral thing that we did. We need these things. We just need these things. For me, the yellow studio is really just a metaphor for all of that. Yes, it's a podcast. Yes, it's a podcast space. Yes, it's got hardware and microphones and software, and now even a couple of pretty cool video lights, but... The yellow studio is a metaphor for this podcast. And frankly, it's a metaphor for a lot of my life. And it's 4.0 coming up because I don't want to be satisfied. 1.0 was really, really good. And it was great. And it lasted for a very long time. And then there was 2.0 and that was even better. And the interesting thing is 2.0 did not last nearly as long as 1.0. Have you heard of Moore's law? Moore's law, basically, you know, I'm going to really dumb this down because, well, I'm dumb. Computing power doubles every two years. I mean, it, it. there's just this exponential growth. You've seen it. I just recently, you know this if you listen to the podcast, but I had a 10-year-old iMac, an Apple iMac. I'm a long, long long-time Apple user. My first Apple was in 1984, the very first Mac. Um, I have in my possession, I'm I'm recording right now on a MacBook Pro, a 14-inch MacBook Pro. The computing power in this machine is exponentially exponentially better than this large 27 inch iMac, which was an i7 core eight processor for you tech heads. This new M two chip in this new MacBook pro is, is it, it makes that just look like a model a compared to a Ferrari. It's, it's ridiculous. And even though it's expensive, relative to the Mac that I bought in 1984 it is extraordinarily high value it's just insanely more valuable and if the price were comparable to what I paid back in 1984 well it would be I'd have to have a mortgage on the thing <laughs> now don't get me wrong it it's still expensive but relative to the computing power and the value Here's my point. My point is, man, when the technology start, started to speed up, it just it sped up and it sped up. The Yellow Studio did the exact same thing. Version 1.0 lasted. It was great. It was wonderful. And it lasted for a very long time. And then 2.0 came along, and 2.0 was better. In fact, 2.0 was significantly better. But 2.0 didn't last as long. And now I'm in 3.0, and guess what? 3.0, I can already tell you because the plans are already afoot. 3.0 is not gonna, 3.0 is going to last a fraction of what 2.0 lasted. Part of that is going to be just because of the transition that we ourselves are in in our life. But part of that is also just is technology and is just is just this momentum that you get in life when you say yes to opportunities and you start chasing and pursuing improvement and getting better and better and better and better. And I'm racing now toward 4.0. And if you think that I'm going to call it a day at 4.0, you're crazy. I've already I've already got plans. I don't know what 5.0 is going to look like, but Lord willing, there'll be one. You know, I think the point is to have a degree of discontentment. Not the kind of discontentment that makes us restless and dissatisfied in that we're never contented, but a discontentment in that we just, we just know there's opportunities for us to be better, to grow, to learn some things. This is all an exercise in figuring it out. That's the point. It's the point of the show. It's the point of the podcast, it's the point of my coaching, it's kind of the point, in my opinion, it's kind of the point of it all, is for us to figure this out and so many of us, it seems to me, so many of us are not even trying to figure it out. We're thinking that the universe ought to just bend to our will, that we just we can just do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want and we can disregard other people or we can lean and go just the opposite and we can just live this Instagram life and we can do our dead little best to try to fool one another and to con one another and to put up the pretense for one another. You know why we're here, right? Yeah. We're, we're here for God's good glory. That's why we're here. Oh, you don't have to believe it. It, The reality of it doesn't rely on you believing it or not. It's still true. So what are we going to do with this time we've got? How are we going to make the most of this time we have? How are we going to make our time here count? And I'm going to say it till the cows come home because eternity changes everything. You don't have to believe in eternity. You don't have to think that there's a life beyond this one. You can think that this is all there is. But the fact is you don't know. And the only reason I do is because I got a book, and you got the book too. No, you don't have to believe that it's the word of God. I do. There's empirical evidence that proves that it's true. I believe the book. I believe we have a creator. I believe he is God Jehovah. I believe he had an only son. I believe he died on a cross to save us from our sins. Yes, I do. I believe in salvation and redemption, and I believe in us figuring that out, and I believe that the book helps us figure that out. In fact, I know that without the book, I couldn't figure it out. But with the book, I can, and I'm trying. And then there's all these other things that compose our life that are congruent. They are congruent with being faithful, with being righteous with trying to be holy. They don't have to be congruent, but if we do it correctly, they're congruent. That is, I'm not somebody on Sunday when I go to church, and then I'm somebody completely different on Monday. I'm not somebody when I'm sitting in a pew in a church building, and then I'm somebody completely different when I'm in a client's office. Oh, I could be, but there's no improvement in that. The opportunity for growth and improvement, that's not where they're at. The opportunity for growth and improvement is if we can be congruent with the real reason that we're here, the real purpose, glorifying God and to be what we ought to be, to be the best human that we can be, not based on how we see things, but how God sees things because, well, he's supremely perfect. I'm not. He can define wisdom. I define it my way, but he really defines it. And there are people that are very wise about how to make money. They're very wise about how to do a whole lot of different things, but they may be completely colossally foolish when it comes to living life and putting the emphasis on where it really matters the most. So there's some things that we just have to get right. We can't afford to get it wrong simply because the stakes are so high. Eternity changes everything. My dad, Lord willing, will be a hundred years old in September. And you can think, man, it's a long time. Well, it is when you think in terms of years, but how, how long is a hundred years compared to eternity? Well, only the fool would say a long time. All the rest of us would say, well, it's not long at all. It's a blip. It's a blip on the radar. I mean, it's a a speck of sand on a vast, vast beach. That's how long 100 years is. It's not long at all. Then why would I devote myself for 100 years to colossal foolishness and selfishness and sin and depravity and whatever else I wanted, knowing that the stakes were that high? Well, if I'm a wise person, I'm trying to figure this out, and I think I am. Oh, then the answer is I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It'd be like, would you trade a million dollars for a $10 bill? Well, yeah, a fool would. But we wouldn't. But man, you'd trade a $10 bill for a million dollars all day long, every day. You'd be scrounging up as many $10 bills as you could find. That's the game. That is the game. So the yellow studio, the yellow studio for you, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the transitions look like for you. I don't know what the opportunities for you are. I don't know what the challenges for you are. I mean, come on. Sometimes I I struggle to figure out what mine are. But they're there. You have them. You absolutely have them. But you got to step out there and you got to shove the distractions aside so that you can see them. And so that you can see them for what they are so that you can tell if they're a threat or if they're an advantage, you can tell if they're low, low value or they're extraordinarily high value. Sometime in the late fall, there was a house in happy serene Val village that uh, caught my attention. And I, I think initially it was the curb appeal and it was a new house and it, it, it had an attractive front And so that really kind of began the happy accident that we never saw coming. I was open to it. I kept looking at this thing. I kept thinking, okay, what's going on here? What's going on? I wonder why this thing isn't selling. And finally, about two weeks before we closed on our house, I showed it to Rhonda. I said, here, I've been looking at this thing. This thing's getting really attractive. Now the regret That regret I talked about, now I was looking at it and I was thinking, if somebody else got that, I think I'd regret it. (laughs) In fact, I know I would regret it. So I showed it to Rhonda and I said, shoot holes in this. Let's find a reason to not pursue this. That was the goal. That was the objective. And we couldn't. And so we didn't, we said yes to the opportunity. Uh, We made a run at it and uh, we had ourselves a deal and Friday we closed on a house that we sold and Monday we closed on that house that we bought. And so it goes. Listen, it's just about being open to new opportunities. It's about being open to your growth as a human. It's about having sufficient motivation, which is just the energy that it takes to get the work done, which is not something I can give you. It's something that you bring to the party. Oh, I can inspire you. The problem with inspiration is it, it wanes doesn't last energy is something different though energy is you bring that you bring that and boy is it sustainable if you'll lean hard into it so the new yellow studio the yellow studio 3.0 just let that be the symbol for all of us for being open to opportunities And I don't mean opportunities to make more money, although they could, or opportunities to improve our health, although that's possible. But opportunities for us to become better, whatever that means. Uh, For us to stop our foolishness, and we've all got a degree of it. We're never going to conquer fully our foolishness. Would that we could, but we can't. But we can keep trying. Trying. And it does simply boil down, it seems to me. I continue to kind of focus on these two things, this yin and yang about it. That if we can lean into doing the thing that we really don't want to do, but we know it would be the good thing to do, it would be the right thing to do, it would be the honorable thing to do, it would be the godly thing to do, do that, even if you don't want to. And on the flip side, that thing that I really would like to do, but it's not good, it's wrong, it's sinful, it may be immoral, it might even be illegal, but man would I like to do it. Don't. If we can exercise the resistance in our life to engage in that push-pull of life, let that be the metaphor. For the Yellow Studio 3.0 and the transition that we all need to be making in our life. My name is Randy Kentrell. I'm your host here. Coming to you from Dallas or Texas, yes I am. The website is LeaningTowardWisdom.com. Greetings and welcome. Inside the Yellow Studio.